hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Lord, just as we sang, here we are. We've heard you calling in our lives, in one way or another. But Lord, sometimes when we hear you call, we fail to act. We fail to answer that call. So Lord, we ask that you forgive us. And Lord, open our hearts and our minds to see those around us. And be a part of the love and the grace that you have poured out on us and poured out on others. So, Lord, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our series in uh, 1 John. And, and we have another week uh, a part of this series. But I, I really wanted to, to highlight this, this small book in the Bible. I remember last week I shared it was, it was, it was five chapters long. And it's one of those that if you, you could probably sit down in one reading and, and, and make your way all the way through First John. And if you do that, I think you'll be really surprised with, with a lot that uh, John writes in, in this first letter, this letter to a, a group of people that are dealing with false prophets, a letter that is dealing with people who are, are proclaiming that, that Christ isn't who he said he was. And John is reminding us and reminding those that he wrote this letter to that, that Jesus is who he said he is. And that we, as, as his followers, must follow along that path and allow his love and his grace to pour out on our lives. So, I, I'm going to say, I, I need your help this morning. A- and the reason why I say that is that my mind has been racing over the past several months about ministry how we do ministry, what, what it is that, that we, we can do to continue sharing the love and grace of Jesus Christ in a, in a broken world. And I know that, that we have done a lot. You know, that we, we, we could probably fill out a, a litany of all the different ministries and all the ways that we have impacted one another, uh, the families in our church, families outside our church, with the love and grace of Jesus Christ. But there is a reminder that there is still a lot that needs to be done. Now, this isn't about trying to find ways to, to fill our days with more tasks to do things. But, but it's about really honing in and seeing how can we allow the activities that we have in our lives to, to continue to point to him, 
to allow all that we do in our lives to continue to share the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And, and then, then take those things that aren't and, and push them aside for the kingdom. Our scripture for this morning continues in 1 John chapter 3. And it starts with 316 to 3.24. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles where we'll have the words printed up on the screen so that you can follow along as we share in our scripture this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the title of this sermon is the uh, second part of the gospel. And that phrase may be a little confusing because we know that there is one gospel, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, how he came to live on earth as one of us, how he taught, how he suffered, how he died, how he was buried, how he was raised again, and how he ascended to heaven to sit at God's right hand. And we have a tendency to think about that this is all that the gospel encompasses. Once we believe in all of that, we're all good. But I, I wish that was the case. There's a lot more that, that must be done as believers of Jesus Christ. And I think 1 John three sixteen through 24 gives us a, a deeper picture of what does it mean to actually believe. What does it mean to actually receive this gospel and do what God has called us to do? You know, last week we, we talked about how, how John is not, not necessarily a continuation of the gospel of John, but it is written by the same person by the, to the same community. And, and there's that one verse that, that we, we absolutely love from the gospel of John, and that's John 3.16. We have this verse memorized. We, we, we know what this verse says, but I have a feeling sometimes it hamstrings our 
development as followers of Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is that sometimes we, we hold on to just that verse, and, and that is just where we stay. We stay right there at, at John 3.16, and we forget that there is a whole lot more that Jesus calls us to do after we believe. There's a whole lot more that we need to, to share with, with the world around us besides just saying that, that, that we believe in God. You know, in the, in the book of James, it, it talks about faith, uh, faith being a, a, a part of works, that, that you can't have both of them, you, you, you can't separate the two. James says that, that if you have faith, show me your works, but I'll say I will show you my faith through the works that I do. And I think that's what John is getting around to right here with this passage. And the, the biggest trap that we fall into has to do with that third word in John 3.16, for God, or the fourth word, for God so loved the world. We have a hard time reconciling and understanding what the word love means, and it's partially because there are eight different definitions of love within the Greek language. And we take a look at the word love, and we think, well, this encompasses everything, and it doesn't. Some of the forms of love that you can see on the screen, you know, the first is agape. And that, that's the love that, that we see uh, in, in the church, the unconditional love. It's altruistic. It's selfless. It's unconditional. It's a very radical kind of love that, that I am going to lay down my life for someone else. Then there's eros love. That is the romantic love, which is named after the, the Greek god of love and fertility. That's the love that you have between a husband and a wife, a love that you have between uh, those that you deeply love and care for. Then there's philia, which is an affectionate love, and that's, that's the love that, that we feel most of the time with the people that we are around. That, you know, we love people. You know, like I love Charlie Carroll. Uh, you know, he, he is a brother of mine, and I am so thankful for him. Then there's the philatua love, which is self-love, which is so important. Sometimes we, we, we take a look at how we, we see ourselves, but if we don't have love for ourselves, we can't give to others what we don't already have. We, we see that play out in a part of the golden rule, don't we, where, where Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. I tell you, if you don't love yourself, there's absolutely no way that you can love your neighbor. And, and the love that you, you have for yourself should flow out to those around us. Storgate, which is a, a familiar love. It's like philia, but it's more like a parent-child love. You know, yesterday, Trace and I, we went to uh, see Sam play soccer. And I tell you, one of the videos that I took of him, just sitting there, just moving around, didn't do really anything in the soccer game. He came close to, to kind of following the ball behind and almost kicking it into the goal. But, you know, just sit there and just go, man, I love that kid. I love him. But it's because of that familiar love. It's that parent-child or grandchild love. It means that there's a, there's a strong bond there. And if that strong bond is gone, then, then you miss out that love. 
Then there's pragma love. I'm not going to go through all the definitions. Ludus love and, and mania love. Those are ways that, that we identify the different forms of love that are out there. But when we try to truncate that into the word love, we fully miss out on what Christ has done for us. So in the passage of John 3.16 where we say, For God so loved the world, the type of love that that John is sharing there is the agape love, or, or agapio is the actual Greek word that's there. And, and the difference between agape and agapio is that agapio is, is that, that verb tense of love. It, it's an active love. I was thinking about the uh, Christian group DC Talk, who a long time ago, they did a song called Love is a Verb. And the whole song just shares, you know, it, it's, not, it's not a feeling. It's not just this, this, this warm and fuzzy thing that you have. It, it's not what you have with your spouse. It is an action. And that is what John is getting at as he defines love for us. First John 3.16, it, it helps fit, and, and, and it, it's called the second part of the gospel because it helps define what we hear in, for, in John 3.16. We know that God so loved the world to say, okay, but how did he do that? How did God so love the world? And he writes it like this. This is how we know what love is. It's not what's written in books. It's not what we feel deep inside. We know it because Christ laid down his life for us. That's how we know what love is. It isn't anything that's fleeting or passing or just kind of flying by. It is because Christ laid down his life for us, and then he goes on. And it says, not only did Christ lay down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. My friends, that is a deep calling. It's not just being able to quote John 3.16 and say that I got it all, all down. But it's actually stopping and saying that because Christ laid down his life for me, I am going to lay down my life for you. We may disagree on things. We, we are going to disagree on things. We, we, we may have doubts. We may have fears. We may have those things that, that, that tie us in knots. But, but, but to step and put all of those aside and say, you know what? Because Christ died for me, I am going to lay down my life for my friends and even for my enemies, even for those that I don't fully agree with. So here's what I've been thinking about, and I would love your input. Not going to ask for it during this time. But I, I, w I want you to think about this. As we move forward as a church, how do we live that out? I was listening recently to a podcast by uh, Mark Damas, 
who is a co-founder of a network called Mosaic. And it's a, a network of church leaders committed to the development of multi-ethnic churches. And he was pointing out that multi-ethnic multi churches is something that, that kind of gets looked at and, and sneered at in the modern church. I, and I can tell you as, as a church planner, as a former church planner, that was one of the things that they focused on. Is that they told you to, to not worry about reaching everybody, but what you want to do is, is get a bunch of people who look like you. That way, when those people that you were trying to reach who, who look like you, they can say, oh, I must belong here because there are, are 40 to 50-year-olds. They're you know, married couples. They have grandkids. They have kids. And I, I can feel comfortable there. But my friends, that's not what the church was like in the first century. The church in the first century was a multi-ethnic organization, or not even an organization, or, or a gathering of people who loved Jesus. You had Jews in the same room with Gentiles. You, you had Hittites in the same room. You, know, you take a look there at the second chapter of Acts. You see the, the litany of all of the different races that were in the same room. And it, it's not about just getting all the different races together, but, but it's a way to be faithful to the call that Christ has laid down for each and every one of us. It's a way for us to fully live in the call that John gives us in 1 John 3, 16, to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And, and there are three ways that, that we do this as a church. The first is, is financial. Actually, that one's the last one, but I'm going to go ahead and hit it first because I'm going to touch that for the least. But financial is a very important part of what we do as a church. And, and I am thankful for, for the leadership board. I'm thankful for my staff because we are trying our hardest to be good stewards of all that we have. Matthew 25 gives us that picture of, of what it means to be a, a steward of what, what God has given us. When, when a guy goes off on a trip and he gives his uh, servants uh, certain amounts of, of money. You know, the first one he gives 10 talents, the next one he gives five, the next one he gets one. And when he report, comes back, they, they report back to him what they've done with the money. The one who had 10, he, he doubled it to 20. The one who had five doubled it to, to 10. And, and the master said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You, you gave, I gave you something and you multiplied that. You, you shared that. You, you did something to help it grow. And of the one that he gave only one talent to, he, he buried it and hid it. And thinking he did such a wise thing, he realized that that was foolish. Sometimes we as a church, we bury a great treasure. And we fail to share it with others. And it, it's, it's a whole lot more than, than, than the financial money resources that we have. But, but the gifts and the, and the treasure and the talents that he has given us. We must be good stewards of what we have and continue to share so more can experience the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And the one that I think that is really tied to what we do as a church is a spiritual aspect. 
Hebrews 6, 1 says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that leads to death and of faith in God. We are called to continue in our growth. And I think that's if we put John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16 together, that is what the call is. To, to fully know that, that God loved us and so he gave his son for us so that we can then give our lives for others and, and grow in that knowledge so, so that what we give to the world is life-giving. Not a, not a feel-good Pollyanna thing, because we see that that quickly fades away. If we don't take time to grow spiritually, then how can we fully engage in the world around us that's so quick to tell us where we're wrong? and how we can't defend our faith to others. And that brings us to the final leg, or the, or the final part of this, is that we as a church must be socially engaging. Now, I'm not calling us to, to go out and be social justice warriors, but we have to fully understand what is going on in the world around us. Mark DeMoz and his... Uh, podcast that I was listening to, he was talking about how he was doing a, an event with a whole bunch of pastors from a, a, a city. And, and they, they met at one specific church. And, and one of the things that he does, and we did this with uh, the Healthy Church Initiative a, a while ago, was that he took all the pastors and they, they put them in a church van. Actually, the church van that belonged to the church that they were meeting at. And, and they were about like 12 pastors in this van, and they decided to take a drive around the community. And the very first place that, the, that Mark went to was to the apartment complex that was right across the street. And, and he pulled into the parking lot, and there was a woman that was coming outside, and, and he rolled down his window, and he called her over and said, Ma'am, I, I, have, I have a question for you. What do you know of, and he named the church that they were meeting at. And she looked at him and said, what? So what, what do you know? Have, have you heard anything about this particular church? And she looked at him and said, no, I, I have no idea what church you're talking about. And that church was right across the street. And Mark said that the embarrassing thing was he looked back and the pastor of that church was like all different shades of red. He was so embarrassed that the apartment complex that was across the street from his church had no idea they were there. My friends, that is one of the biggest fears I have as a pastor. Not that we grow, not that we have a, a whole bunch of, of people worshiping with us but that this community does not know. That this, the fear is that this community will not know that there is a church in Royce City that is there for them in their times of need. Two weeks ago, I got a phone call from uh, one of the principals in, uh, in Royce City. 
and she was telling me about a, a substitute teacher that was there. And uh, she was being kicked out of a, a, a residence that they were staying at. A and uh, they, they were going to be homeless. Uh, somebody had graciously put them up in uh, the Holiday Inn for, for the weekend. And they were trying to figure out something to do. And I, I called uh, the, the mom and, and talked to her. And, and she was saying, well, you know, my husband is, is transferring from, uh, from Tennessee back here to uh, the Royce City area. We're just waiting on him to get the orders from the HR department there. And we just don't know when we're going to hear. And after talking to her, I said, we'll help. And because of our Crooked House Fund that we have, we were able to help put them up in a room for three days. But, but, but this is the great part of the story. I reached out to a couple of other churches in town, Fellowship and High Point, and they also helped put them up for a couple of more nights in a hotel to get a whole week covered for this family. And then a couple of people that I reached out to for, for more help, they were able to put them up for a whole another week, so two whole weeks where they didn't have to worry about moving or, or, or packing things up. Uh, gift cards were poured out upon this family. People that we don't even know. But, my friends, Jesus does. Jesus knows and cares and loves them. And so, as he laid down his life for us, we too must lay down our lives for others. So the help is, is, is not to necessarily get you to, to volunteer and, and do something here or there, although we do need people to help and uh, move past this beginning and opening up after the whole pandemic thing. But to really look and see, how can I help financially? How can I be a good steward of what God has given me to share his love and grace with others? How can I continue to grow spiritually through small groups in the church, through uh, maybe even opening our homes and starting band meetings to where two or three people can gather together to, to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ? How can I be socially engaged to the community around us so that the love and grace of Jesus Christ is made real to the people in our community so that they know that God loves and cares for them. My hope and my prayer is as we continue to move past this pandemic, as we continue to engage in ministry with one another and with the world around us, people look and see the agapeo love of God in all that we do. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your great love and, and power. We thank you for the mercy and grace that you gave us at your cross. It's great to have memorized and, and, and to know that you sent Jesus through your great love so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. But Lord, because Christ laid down his life for us,
we then continue the telling of the gospel. We then continue proclaiming Christ by laying down our lives for others. So give us ways to do that, Lord. Allow us the opportunity to engage in a life-giving ministry that shares your grace and power with others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.